For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Stu Hodum with Believe in the Media Guide on the Believe Podcast Network. Do you believe? Last year, CBS prepared to cover its 39th consecutive NCAA Division I Men's Basketball Championship, including a partnership since 2011 with Turner Sports to provide exclusive live coverage of every game in its entirety across TBS, TNT, and True TV, with all games streamed on NCAA March Madness Live. COVID-19 forced the cancellation of the 2020 tournament. This year, all 67 games will be played in Indiana, starting Thursday, March 18th, with the NCAA First Four quadruple header on True TV at Assembly Hall in Bloomington and on TBS at Mackey Arena in West Lafayette, which will host a pair of perennial tournament teams, Michigan State and UCLA, to close the night at 9.57 p.m. Eastern. The Spartans and Bruins will battle to make the main bracket as an 11th seed on the campus of Purdue, where John Wooden was the 1932 Player of the Year before leading UCLA to 10 national championships. CBS studio analyst Clark Kellogg, a former Indiana Pacer, says the state will be the perfect host for March Madness. You know, I spent 32 years working for the Pacers, four as five as a player, and then 28 as a broadcaster and in the front office. So I basically grew up in Indianapolis. I mean, I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio, went to college at Ohio State, but got married and had all three of our children in Indy. So that's always special whenever I'm there, back there for anything, but particularly around basketball. And there have been multiple Final Fours there since I've been a broadcaster. Actually, my first one with CBS was 97 in Indy. So, yeah, really special. Excited, thrilled, because I know many people there and I know how the city embraces and the whole state embraces basketball. So um, thrilled that this opportunity, as unique as it is because of COVID-19, is really the hand and glove fit for a city and region to have to do this. Indianapolis and the state of Indiana is perhaps the very, very best place to have to do the entire tournament there. Venues, people, volunteers, reverence for the game, history, you could go on and on, but it clearly is the platinum level place for this type of tournament to be held. And I think the players, all people associated with it will um, go away with a great experience. CBS and TBS alternate televising the Final Four, and this year it's CBS's turn on Saturday, April 3rd, with the championship on Monday, April 5th at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. Jim Nance, Bill Raftery, Grant Hill, and reporter Tracy Wolfson will have the call, 
teaming up for their sixth consecutive tournament together. Those four will tip off the first game of the first round between 10-seed Virginia Tech and 7-seed Florida on Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern on CBS at Butler University's Hinkle Fieldhouse, which hosted the climactic championship game in the movie Hoosiers, celebrating the 35th anniversary of its release. Wolfson begins a great roundtable discussion on her team's tournament memories in Indianapolis. My first memory of Indianapolis, I was a runner for CBS uh, 97, Jim's Call, Simon Says Championship. I remember it well. Actually, we're going to see Coach Pastner. He was on that team, uh, that championship Arizona team. So that should be fun. Um, That was my first memory. I was still at the University of Michigan. It was my senior year. And I got the opportunity with CBS to be a runner. Uh, Throughout March Madness, I worked in the New York studios, and then they gave me the opportunity to go to Indianapolis and work the Final Four there. And my job, actually, during that Final Four, besides picking up, I remember Mickey at Krzyzewski and Coach K and driving them around and doing odds and ends. I'm sure I got gym water or coffee or something. I hung banners. I answered phones. I did it all that a runner would do. But my job on the Final Four was actually to cue the band. And I remember wearing the headset, telling them when to play, when not to play, when we were going to commercial, not going to commercial. And then I got so excited because I was really a fan and I got so into it. And for some reason I was, you know, I took to this Arizona team and I, I rooted for them the whole way. Uh, no ties. I just, I found them fun. And as soon as the game ended, I remember actually running onto the court, celebrating <laughs> with them. And I think it was, Bob Dekus at the time, maybe, that was in my ear screaming, get off the court, Tracy, get off the court. I just got all caught up in the whole thing. So, you know what? That was my first memory memory in Indianapolis, and uh, it was definitely a special one, and it's, it's fun to really come full circle now. That's, that, that's tough to follow up, uh, Tracy. Um, <laughs> that, was actually, uh, that was actually Billy Packer who said Simon Says Championship. Oh, which, yeah, that was Billy. Um, but my favorite, I'll make it quick, was 2010. I've got a lot of memories in Indianapolis. I love that city. I've never hidden that. Um, I, I say it loud and proud that uh, that city's given me a lot of opportunities to do all kinds of sports, football, basketball, track and field, swimming and diving, you name it through the years. And a lot of Final Fours, uh, including my first call in 91, was, was, was there when, when, uh, when, when Duke beat UNLV in the semifinals and then uh, led by Grant Hill, Bobby Hurley, and uh, Christian Leitner. They beat Kansas in the championship game. I'm going to fast forward to 2010. Butler's in the final. Uh, you could just feel there was something magical happening with uh, that team throughout the ride to the championship game. And now here they are, 6.2 miles, uh, their campus from Lucas Oil Stadium. So on the day of the championship game, uh, I, I, I drove to the campus, parked my car, and, and walked the campus uh, and then, of course, my main goal was to go to Hinkle Fieldhouse and uh, to sneak a peek because uh, big Hoosiers fan, the movie growing up and and uh, the music. Oh, well, that still uh, uh, is there's just something about it. If you're a basketball fan, it, it strikes a chord. So that day I did. I went I went to I went to Butler and spent a couple hours having lunch, walking, uh, kind of walking to uh, an open door. I finally found to just take a little sneak peek of, of Hinkle. And then I uh, came back and called a game that came down to a half-court heave by Gordon Hayward at the buzzer that very nearly dropped for what would have been the greatest finish, not only in tournament history, but maybe in any sports 
uh, championship history. And uh, yeah, that would be my favorite. Going to Hinkle, calling a game with Butler that night, and they very nearly pulling off the championship. And parenthetically, the fact that we have Hinkle uh, with the first game of the tournament on Friday, and we'll do three games from Hinkle on, on Friday, that is a thrill. That is an absolute thrill for me. I've never been there for a game. And to be able to call some NCAA tournament action at Hinkle Fieldhouse, uh, I'm into it big time. I'm just very grateful that however the stars were aligned and our crew got assigned there. Nobody asked for it, but we got it. And we got three really great games there. You know, j- jumping on both uh, uh, the Duke game in 91, uh, I was not a Grand Hill fan, obviously, but uh, <laughs> we were very tight with the Hurley family. Uh, so it was a thrill to see that one, of course. And, and, and Jim mentioned the Butler game and I was doing radio and one of the greatest plays of all time, uh, because Hayward missed the shot. I think it was Matt Howard with the screen to get him free. Uh, and years later, I asked Brad Stevens about it. And like I'm saying, Jesus, I never even thought of a play like that at the end of the game. But uh, nevertheless, and then the Arizona game uh, on radio as well. And I was very friendly with Lute Olson. And I remember them tussling his gray hair right in front of us. And, you know, thrilled to see that team with Miles Simon as well. But, uh, you know, Indiana always reminds me of Bob Knight. And, and I say that with great affection because I got to know him at Army. And the meaning of basketball, he invited us when I was at Seton Hall out to play there. Now, it's not Indianapolis, but it is Indiana. And I had him coach my team. Obviously, he did a much better job coaching my team at the practice than I did. But from that day on, I realized the impact of basketball in that great state. And, uh, you know, as you know, so many big time programs in that state and the kids, they've always been known as shooters, but they're more than that. And, and obviously the coach, has been phenomenal as well. I'll just chime in as well. I'll say certainly Jim talked about that 91 team, um, you know, beating the undefeated UNLV defending champions. Uh, of course, the next uh, next day coming out and, and, and beating Kansas and, and giving Coach K his, his first of, of many uh, championships was, was quite an experience, uh, aside from the, the fact that I had a horrible haircut that I'm oftentimes <laughs> reminded of when they replay moments from that Final Four. Um, but that was a special time. Uh, and then, you know, to fast forward years later, 2015, uh, my opportunity, you know, my first Final Four, working with Jim, Tracy, and Bill. And, um, you know, obviously my alma mater, I uh, was fortunate to win that year. Um, but to work with, with these individuals, to celebrate Jim's 25th uh, anniversary of calling the Final Four and experiencing St. Elmo's, the Jim Nance style. Uh, <laughs> that, that was as memorable as you can, as you can possibly be. Um, and then also just some other things, you know, the McDonald's All-American game in 1990 was in Indianapolis. My draft was in 1994 in Indianapolis. So a lot of great basketball memories at different segments and different stages of my life. And so it's always just a special place. And as Jim said, it, it knows how to put on an event. And, um, and it's been impressive how they've come together and, and organized and and prepared for this next three weeks. And so um, I'm very fond of that place and uh, look forward to great, to more great memories in the future in Indianapolis. Rather than an all Indiana tournament being an outlier, 
Nance floats the idea of a one-region, one-tournament model going forward, like in Olympics. COVID has brought a new way of business in a lot of a, a lot of different uh, industries, and I, and I we haven't had a, we haven't had an NCAA tournament game, but I think this might be a model, a template for the NCAA tournament down the road. And you think about it, the old scenarios where you would try to maybe ship teams out west because there weren't as many NCAA qualifiers in the field, um, a Georgetown going to a Boise, I'm just making up things, Maryland going to Spokane, and universities, student athletes trying to deal with all of that. This one central location idea for the NCAA tournament, just want to put it in everyone's head. I think this has legs. I think this has a, a future with the NCAA if they want to go this way. Uh, think of that first week that's coming up. This is a different year. So, you know, people will be masked up and a lot of people will be very limited about how far they would, you know, take a trip to Indianapolis. We're not going to have the full throttle fan bases uh, in, in place. But uh, just think of like the Olympics. And uh, an area, a region hosting the Olympics, hosting the NCAA tournament for three weeks. You wash away all the crazy trying to figure out how you travel a team from here to there. Do they go back home after winning two games in Salt Lake City? Do they go back east only to return to Anaheim? All of that goes away. And you think of some of the cities down the line, and maybe there are commitments, of course, at the first and second round sites and the regional sites in the immediate future but if you just take the final four cities and think down the road new orleans new orleans is next year's final four why couldn't you have the superdome as the central location with games at tulane games at lsu games at the at the pelicans building with games also the first two weeks in the superdome with the final four being there they certainly have the capacity to entertain with hotel space 68 teams and fan bases houston's the year after that Houston, with its uh, with its giant, you know, the Texan Stadium. I'm not sure what the corporate name behind it is now. Um, what what that could be uh, down the road with Rice, the University of Houston, the Toyota Center where the Rockets play. If you wanted to go to Austin and bring in like Purdue is uh, this coming week, there are options there. Arizona's the year after that. You could have you could have, of course, the central location in the giant stadium there, but you have options at the university of Arizona down in Tucson, you got Arizona state, you've got the, where the suns play. I mean, it could be a very exciting option for the NCAA down the road. And I'm not sure it doesn't even make it even a little bit better of an event, having people drop into a city and say, Hmm, where can, can we try to get tickets today to Hinkle? Hey, you know, son, do you want to go over to Assembly Hall? Let's take a trip over to Bloomington. I mean, it would be a phenomenal scene to see all those fans and teams in one city down the road. So maybe COVID's got a another way of, of, of bringing uh, a new optic to how you look at business as it relates, in this case, to the NCAA basketball tournament down the road. Just wanted to plant that in some heads because I think we're going to find that Indiana – 
is going to do a spectacular job. There's not a question in my mind. They know how to do these events better than anybody. And I think this could work in a lot of places down the road. And maybe it's even a little bit better of an NCAA tournament that way, too. While Candace Parker agrees with Nance, her fellow studio analysts, Wally Zerbiak, Kenny Smith, and Clark Kellogg, aren't on board with Nance's notion. Obviously, different situations with COVID lead to, you know, different events and things being held like like this year. And it might end up being a better solution. Everyone's in one spot. Um, you know, there's there's no travel. There's no, I mean, teams don't have to then leave on night flights and fly to the next destination. Uh, you're in one spot. And I think as fans as well, <clears throat> Indianapolis is the host of where it's going to be. And this year, obviously fans um, aren't all coming, but in years to come, hopefully when COVID pass, Everybody going to one spot for a certain amount of time, I think, could could prove to be, you know, positive. And so I do think that this is going to be evaluated this year and see how it goes. And this could be the moves, you know, for for future years, because if you think about just even broadcasting and television and student athletes and, you know, cheerleaders and bands and everything, having to continue to move from place to place as to being in a centralized location, I think it could be positive. Yeah, in, in theory, maybe, but you know, I, when I heard Jim say that, a couple things popped into my head. What about when kids start going to class in person again? You know, it's a long time to be off campus and not going to, no, going to class. And also, um, you know, one of the great things about the NCAA tournament is watching it in person and watching it live. And when you can reach throughout the whole entire country and different, different fan bases from all over the country can get a feel for an NCAA tournament game and going to watch it live and feel like they're a part of it. Um, I think that's a balance you have to weigh. We got to remember in future years, uh, I imagine we're going to have fans back in the stands and it's going to be great for the fans if they were in that one region to be able to celebrate the NCAA tournament in person. But let's not forget that a lot of people all around the country, I'm sure love to you know, have that opportunity to watch games in person and live. So it's it, 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 in theory, maybe it would work, and but I'm just bringing up a few of the possible cons um, to going back the way it used to be. I'd like to add something to that. Oh, just, I, I just have a different <laughs> point. I'm thinking as a player, I would have hated it. I would hate. I would. I love the fact that we were going down to Greensboro, driving down, and then my roommate was in the stands from my and and that wasn't a basketball player. The, the, the uh, girl who was in my, my geometry class was there in the stands. Like for me, like we wanted to be on the East. We were like, we're going to be the number one seed on the East. And then I would get to play in, in um, back then it was the, in East Rutherford. And I'm like, I'm home in New Jersey. I'm, and then all of my, my friends and family, because you think about regional teams, you think of Alabama. Most of those kids are from Alabama. You think of, you know, you know, you think of certain Mississippi State. Most of those kids are from that area. So they want to be in areas, you know, that they're familiar with too. There's something to that, to protecting your turf, so to speak. And I love that part of it. I'm like, nah, we the best. We coming out the east. We're not right now, you're coming out the east, but you're really coming out of Indiana. And I, there's something to me, the clocky laughing. I don't know, it's something for, for me. That I, that I, as a player, I'm not thinking as an analyst, I want to stay in one spot. But as a player, I would be like, nah, I, I don't like it like that. 
And you enjoy right. going back to campus and celebrating if you made oh, it. Oh, no question. Yeah. Like right yeah. after the game, we drive back <laughs> and everyone's there. Oh, <laughs> no, that's great stuff. That is really good stuff. Great points, all three of you guys. That that was good stuff. Yeah, I feel all of that. I feel all of that. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta go back at Wally though, because Wally's talking about, you know, the kids are gonna be in person in class. Come on, Wally, you go to class during the NCAA right, tournament. Right, right. Exactly. I was, I was gonna pump him on the back that one too. Okay. I'm glad you got him, Candace. I went to class during the NCAA tournament, and I did too, actually. I did too. You're early Hey, that was the time, Candace. I never missed class because when we won a game, oh, yeah. everybody you wanted to be on back. You wanted to do <laughs> show and tell. Kenny wants to do show and tell. <laughs> Before Nance, Raph, Grant, and Tracy get to Lucas Oil Stadium, Lisa Byington, Steve Smith, and A.J. Ross will broadcast games from the home of the NFL's Colts. Byington will become the first woman to do play-by-play for a men's tournament game. Her first game will be Friday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern on True TV between 16-seed Hartford and top-seed Baylor. Could we see the second 16-1 upset in NCAA history? Parker, who played in the WNBA bubble last summer, says that experience leads her to expect more upsets with every team in one area and without the benefit of playing in front of home region fans. I can just reflect on how it was in the bubble this past year. And it was, I know that with contact tracing and um, trying to keep teams isolated, they're probably not going to have as much contact as we had, but it was weird as all to see referees in the lunch line. It's, it's, you know, it's competition when you're walking to practice and you're seeing, you know, people you're going to play that night. Um, But then from a recovery standpoint, not having to travel, not having to get on the bus um, it's positive. But at the same time, I do think that there are more upsets because there aren't fans in the stands um, in, in the bubble that I was playing in. And, you know, it's just, it's a different dynamic. It's a different adjustment as we saw even in the NBA um, with their bubble and their situation with teams that normally would have home court advantage or Kenny alluded to earlier, just in terms of region, when UNC went to Greensboro, their fans, there were more of UNC fans. And when you were a, you know, a number one seed in the East, you're going to have more of your fans to get you going. So I do think there's going to be uh, that dynamic along with it, which will cause, I mean, there's upsets in the NCAA tournament anyway, but there's going to be more so this year because you're not going to have that fan support and that home court advantage type of feel in the, in the early rounds, you know, in the first and second rounds. As a reminder, this year's first rounds are Friday, Sunday, and Saturday, Monday games with the Thursday first four, so recalibrate your watching patterns accordingly with a Thursday quadruple header from 5 to midnight Eastern and noon to midnight games on Friday and Saturday. Thanks for listening to Believe in the Media Guide. If you enjoy this show, please subscribe and rate the podcast on iTunes. And find us wherever you get podcasts, including Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V.com. I'm on Twitter at Hotem, H-O-T-H-E-M as in Mary. Stay tuned and stay safe. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, 
you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.